0: Hey, welcome to Project Recovery, a podcast about addiction. More importantly, it's about recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt Woolley. He's a clinical psychologist and just an all-around jovial guy today. Thanks, buddy. You know, you came in with some energy. You came in with some (laughs) hotness. Well, we've been, uh, you and Josh and I have been
1: swapping songs uh, via text, and you didn't like my songs. You didn't think they were funny.
0: Well, I'm not a big fan of uh, the Monty Python (laughs) I'm just not.
1: You guys were sending real songs. I was sending Monty Python
0: songs. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I never really got into that. The Monty Python. Well, you're not. I, I I've been thinking about. It. You're not really silly. I don't think you're a silly. You're, your, kind
1: of humor isn't silliness.
0: It's silliness. If if, 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 like, it's self-deprecating. I don't mind doing silliness on myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so here's a fun fact. Okay? okay. And so earlier this week, I got a call from my ex-wife. Oh yeah. She goes, "We got a little bit of a problem." Mm. And I go. Oof. That's never good. (laughs) You know, when the ex-wife's calling you saying we got a a little bit of a problem. Well, uh, my middle child, Frankie. Mm Mm-hmm. She got dress coded at school. Oh. Yeah, so... Uh, do they still do that? They still well, dress code. I thought well, they just gave up on that. No, they, they dress coded. Now, here's the deal. Everybody's wearing tank tops and halter tops, oh, uh, yeah. and, and they're getting shorter and shorter, and I'm getting madder and madder, because I am paying full price for less than a shirt. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. well, it should be cheaper. At least get some breakaways Yeah, you know what you know? Mean? We're, we're, I mean? Because, I mean, you're not using that much fabric. Right. Why am I paying so much? Well, designer brands. So, me and the ex-wife get together. we got to sit down with my daughter. we got to talk about you know, what's appropriate. What was she wearing? She was wearing a, a halter top, yeah. which was a tank top. And uh, right now, mom jeans are in, so everybody's hiking the jeans all the way up. Right. And then the halter top, and that's how they're getting it's away with it. It's a good it. look.
1: It's a weird look,
0: don't you? Well, I, I, I... The kids these days. They love it. I know. And so we had to sit her down and talk about it. And it was embarrassing to her uh, because, you know, my ex-wife had to bring her some change of clothing. And, you know, it was just kind of this, this, this parental moment, you know, uh, that we had to talk about. And yeah. I had to sit her down and I was like, hey, you know. Did you, now, as, you know, parents, but you're divorced, do you sit down together? Or do you show unity well, we, that we, way? we did a joint call. A call, yeah. I mean, I mean, we co-parent very well together over Zoom. No, Zoom well, parenting? it was just like she was in the car and I was in the car, ah, okay. and then they just put it on speaker. Gotcha. Okay. And you know, we had this talk, and 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 I said, you know, I go, I go, Frankie, I, I I get it. You know, what I mean, I mean, I know everybody's wearing it, right? Um, but you know, I you know, don't get sucked into that. You know, I want people to know you because like you
1: to the fashion. Or? Yeah, you know, what
0: no. I mean, just I don't want to hear everybody's doing it as an excuse. Either own it or but don't do it because you're following don't other bl- people
1: well that's the classic uh yeah tale as old as time right
0: and i go i go you know frankie when i'm out and about and people meet me and they know you they tell me how wonderful you are they tell me how vivacious how kind how caring how funny you are mm-hmm. no one ever says she's amazing she's got the shortest shirts ever <laughs> you know i said that's not that <laughs> right that i don't Rubby. want that to be what you're known for right Short shirts, and so she she kind of got it, and we talked about it, and you know, children they make a mountain out of a mole molehill, mole mm-hmm. and uh, so it was, it was kind of it was a little. Did dro- she cry? Was yeah, she there upset? was there was some crying. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Because I, I think it was embarrassing. You okay. know what I mean? And I you think, weren't hard on her. I wasn't hard on her. I okay. think just the whole situation was embarrassing. Gotcha. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, and so we had to talk. And it's, it, to be fair, at that age, all you want
1: to be is to fit in yeah. and be like everyone else. You don't want to get called out. Well, how many people have we
0: had on the podcast who was just looking for a community, and the most welcoming one was the one who smoked weed and right. drank beer? Exactly. You know, and so in Morgan, we call them the hard guys. Yeah, well, we call them the parking lot crew at my house school um and and so i just was trying to use this as a kind of a learning tool you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, flash forward to today yeah i'm live on tv i'm wearing a halter top no well (laughs) i'm I'm at the ifa (laughs) (laughs) intermountain intermountain farmers association right uh, because it's baby chick days is it and i had the bright idea where i was just going to wear overalls and no shirt (laughs) That is a that is a good look on you, Casey. <laughs> so, so I rocked it at the very first hit. And as soon as we got off TV, the producer called me and goes, "Put a shirt on." <laughs> <laughs> so I had to call Frankie today and go. We both got dress coded this week. <laughs> there you
1: go. I love it. I love it. Put a shirt on. You know that's great. So yeah. uh, you know, and but so the message is for people that want to watch you in the morning. They need to get there for, get you from the beginning of the show. Anything goes. Anything Five forty five. Yeah. After yeah. that,
0: you might have you know been dress commanded. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's what recovery has given me is the opportunities to have these conversations with my kids. Uh, you know what I mean? To be present. Well, I want to compliment you and your ex-wife for uh,
1: doing it together. Oh yeah. That, that's not an easy task because people get divorced for a reason. Right. And I think for kids, that's wonderful. If, uh, divorced parents can show some unity on those
0: sorts of things people ask me all the time how is my relationship with my ex-wife and i and and it's as good as it can be you know i what think I mean? you have a great yeah we co-parent well we talk uh, you know almost every day if not every other day about our kids if she can't pick them up, I pick them up, or her husband does, or my girlfriend does. Like last night, uh, Frankie, the girl we were talking about, uh, my middle child, she just made it to the drill team again. And so we were all there waiting for her to come out, you know, me and my girlfriend, uh, my ex-wife and her husband, and, you know, giving her flowers, taking pictures, and it, it, it's cool. Um, and so I, I'm very fortunate in that way. And yeah. speaking of fortunate, um, on our Facebook page, Project Recovery Facebook page, um, The letter that my daughter wrote three years ago. Yeah, about my addiction through her eyes. It was a school.
1: uh, What what was the narrative? School narrative about what was the topic? Just something important to you, or
0: yeah, just something something that has changed your life. Oh, that's it, changed your life. So she wrote this letter, and uh, then uh, I read it on uh, the podcast, and then we put it on. And it's one of the only times I've seen you tear up, full on cry. Yeah. Uh, And and I get emotional every time I think about it because this letter has been such a blessing to my family. Um, And when it first was released, uh, it went viral. Uh, And I think today it's got over 6 million views. Yeah, Uh, It's done some amazing things for my family uh, and the fact that it's one of the reasons why we got on the TV show Survivalist. Um, and we've been on, uh, the today show, uh, we've been on countless podcasts and other news stations around the country.
1: I think it's, it was such an authentic, genuine expression of what her experience was like with you as an alcoholic. It was, I think really open, raw, honest, and that touches people.
0: And we we didn't plan for it to be any of this. No. I just the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast was to kind of share what my life through recovery looks like. And that was a real situation I had with my daughter and I wanted to share it with you and so I read it. Now, flash flashback about 2 weeks ago, that story on uh, video on our Facebook started gaining traction for some reason. Kind of out of the blue, right? Uh, like I don't understand the algorithm. I don't understand why it was. Josh explained it to us, but I th- I think he was making stuff up. Uh, yeah, and he uses big words. Yeah, he does. If there's more than three syllables, I'm out. It's all that digital mumbo jumbo. Yeah, uh, I think some of it had to do with uh, our appearance on the TV show. Um, oh yeah, maybe some people checking that out. Yeah, but all of a sudden is you know two and a half weeks ago that sat at about 60,000 views on our facebook page today i believe it's almost 200,000 yeah it's had a lot of views in a couple of a weeks. lot of people yeah. sharing it. a lot of people seeing it for the first time and i've been trying to answer people as much as i can in their comments and their questions and their concerns and so we thought we'd take a little bit of time here and just read some of the comments yeah let's do it uh this one is first from uh carrie Thank you, Presley, for allowing your dad to share your story publicly. You're an amazing young woman who has been through more than you should have had to go through at your age. I'm so impressed with how you reflect on the good, the bad, and just the plain ugliness of the situation and now find happiness that has come from it. You and your dad have come a long way, and it's wonderful to see how proud you are of each other. Thank you, Casey, for sharing Presley's narrative with your audience. I know the decision to share something so personal wasn't made lightly. Well, it kind of was. What do you mean? I mean, I didn't really tell Presley that I was going to read it. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I just,
0: <laughs> I just, I just thought, because I, I should have. Yeah, he probably. I mean, it worked out. Yeah, luckily it did yeah, work out. Worked out. But uh, I, I just, it was something, because I remember if you sit down and watch the the video. Well, it was important to you. I was going, I don't know what I was going to do with this. I, right. I thought I was going to bring it. I, I thought we'd read it and we'll see how it goes. And then it just took on a life of its own. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. I cried the entire letter. I was your daughter's shoes growing up. Only I never got the opportunity to see my dad recover. He was later murdered in the streets of Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm so proud of you for getting help. Your daughter is a tough young lady. She is strong spirited and will be okay. What she has been through is hard. But hard times make strong people who know how to fight for themselves, life, and love. Thank you, Casey, for sharing your most vulnerable story. You're making a difference in people's lives. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and and sometimes I feel like the praise that you get, I mean, feels good. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? But I still don't understand or think people understand how much doing this podcast and how much you guys allowing me to do this for you does for me. Like, you know what I mean? It's like I, I get that it's helping people and I think that's wonderful and the praise is amazing. But if you only knew what it did for me, it's I, so that, that comment is similar to many comments where,
1: uh, something from the show, specifically Presley's letter, has really touched someone. It's therapeutic. It's therapeutic for you. It's therapeutic for them. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to, uh, see her father recover, but through her connection now with Presley, uh, there, there's a vicarious experience of recovery. And it's a therapeutic, um, Connection. And uh, in psychology, sometimes we talk about the collective unconscious, mm. that we have a, collection, a collective way of connecting with each other as human beings. And so even though she and Presley will never meet, she and Presley have met, and they've shared an experience in a, in a way that uh, benefits uh, everybody. The opposite
0: of uh, addiction isn't abstinence. Nope, it's connection. Right. And that's what we're trying to do with this podcast. Now, not everybody's happy with a letter. Or myself. I've noticed that. You know what I mean? You can't please everybody. So before we get to this last comment, um, I mean, and and I've got to the point in my recovery where I'm going to fight for recovery, but I'm not going to fight idiots. (laughs) Right. Okay. The, sure. I am I support that. Where people come at me like, well, it's not a disease or whatever. And, and yeah. I'm just, I'm not going to argue with you in Facebook. Right. Assassins. I mean,
1: American Medical Association since 1956 has identified addiction as a disease, but we're not going to argue about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right? And, then,
0: and it's a choice and I understand the choice. That's over
1: I, 50 years, by the way. Yeah. And yeah. I no,
0: I understand that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's a lot of science. Every once in a while, there's, it's not a disease. Research. It's, it's not a disease. And I go, okay. I And then I even try to do it kindly. I Look, go, look, I, 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 I appreciate. There's your, no point in arguing with Yeah, I appreciate that your point of like view, right. but I'm, I'm not here to argue this. What I do want to argue is the fact that recovery is possible. And if people do right. the work and find the help, they can get better. Life in recovery is so much better. And I knew
1: that before, but being your friend and watching you in recovery, I know it uh, on a deeper
0: level. This guy says, that's right. No kids or spouse needs that. Nothing anyone says can say different. Don't give them an out with, they learned something. He stole and wasted valuable years of their lives. No excuse. Now, the guy's got some points. And, and, and the okay. fact... Look, That's generous, but okay. Look, look yeah. I'm not looking for excuses. Right. I'm owning my addiction, and I've done some terrible things. Okay, But what I am asking is that you don't hold me to that standard for the rest of my life. Give me a chance to make amends. Give me a chance to fix what I have wronged and to be a better person. The whole point of life is growing, learning, and just keeping moving forward. If you want me to stay stuck back in that route, sorry, life sucks for you, man, because I'm not doing it. Yeah. I, and, and I messed up, and I know that. And I did some horrible things. I agree.
1: Resistance promotes growth. We've talked about that a lot on the show. And you would have never, prior to having kids, wanted your kids to go through
0: that experience with you. I've said it multiple times on this podcast. I wish my kids did not have to go through what they did. However. They are going to be stronger. There you go. They're going to be better. They're going to be more empathetic. They're going to be more loving. They're going to be more understanding. And they're going to be educated in a very personal way on the harmful
1: life that addiction brings to everybody. And so the reality is because addiction is a disease and it does affect so many millions of people that the more we talk about it and experience what it's like on both sides in recovery and after life, after addiction, uh, the more that we can eliminate this disease. But you know, some people I get it. They, they want to keep other people down. And to me, that's more about them.
0: Well, you know it's interesting because if you go back and look at our Facebook page, Project Recovery with Casey Scott, uh, you can find this. Um, and I didn't have to attack this guy because the collective everybody else did. Yeah, they're yeah. like, "Whoa, how's yeah. it living in that glass house, bro?" You yeah, know what I mean? it's like, <laughs> right.
1: and there. So it's funny. I get I get a little uh, notifications, and so lately my notifications, I'm all I need to turn them off just because my phone's going off all the time from Project Recovery. Yeah, and it's interesting that every once in a while we'll get a negative comment and then all of a sudden a flood of yeah. other people taking care of it for us
0: like where somebody's going hold my coke watch this <laughs> you know what I, mean? I got him yeah, yeah yeah hey well so thank you very much for your support i guess this is what we're saying is without you guys none of this would be possible so thank you for being a part of our recovery family and allowing us to do this we've got another exciting episode for you today his name is shane uh you reached out on the facebook page i did and said i've got a story and uh i'd love to tell it
2: yeah it's kind of a little bit of a exposure for me i'm not used to that but yeah i thought i'd give it a try
0: well you've got your lovely wife sitting next to you and she was like this is so out of his comfort zone and uh i think it's out of hers too because she asked to not be mic'd up okay (laughs) well we're glad you're both here and we're going to hear your story you're listening to project recovery a ksl podcast Welcome back to Project Recovery. I'm Casey Scott. That's Dr. Matt Willer. Our guest today is Shane. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Uh, so everybody likes to know a little bit of something about the guest before we get into the story. So where does the story of Shane begin?
2: It started in Peterson, Utah. It's where I was born and raised. Where's um, Peterson? It's in Morgan County. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, He's been telling us off air
1: all these crazy stories of things he did growing no, up. No, that was you. Oh, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right.
0: Morgan's a
2: good place. There's a lot of fun things going on there.
0: So, uh, only child?
2: No, I had a, there's eight of us, four boys, four girls. I'm second to last. And uh, did you grow up in a religious household? Oh,
0: yeah, very LDS, um, very strict in that way. For those who don't listen to the podcast and know much about the LDS church, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Formerly Mormons, I guess you're not supposed to say that anymore. Well, I, I think, the, 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 you know, everybody's rebranding. Branding. Uh-huh. um what were you taught about alcohol at a young age uh that it was not acceptable you
2: know you had to stay away from it um so the lds church has the word of wisdom
1: uh-huh so it's no no uh tobacco alcohol
0: drugs of any kind uh, and even coffee and tea and so you were taught that at a young age right um how long did you listen until you tried your first beer I was 12 when I first drank. And do you remember the circumstances surrounding why you had that beer at 12? Or was it beer?
2: It was beer. Um, It was uh, my brother. I found his stash. So I uh, stole one from him and thought I'd give it a try. Um, I took a couple drinks, thought it went, went bad, and... So,
0: so you did most, you, well, I'm not going say most, but Often, I think most kids think it tastes terrible. Yeah, They're like, yeah. wait a minute. This is what this is what the commercials are all about. Right. Because this is horrible. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing is people's like, oh, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> OK, it you is. know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I acquired the taste for it. <laughs> I ended up in rehab. Yeah. But you had a couple of drinks and said, this is not for me. Well, it wasn't that this was not for me. I thought it, it expired or something because it shouldn't taste that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so would that led you to go find more, or did you ask some questions?
2: Uh, no, I just, through experimentation, uh, just uh, quickly, you know, grew accustomed to it and s- started drinking at that age. Was that something uh, at that o- age, so other
1: you- brothers were doing in the family, things like
2: that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my older brothers both drank. So. so
1: how long did it take you before you you kind of figured out you had a taste for it? Was that also at age 12? Was it pretty quick? Uh,
2: it was pretty quick. I was probably 13, you know, when I got my first alcohol ticket. Uh,
0: um, From Morgan County? Yep. Yep. So... And so let me ask you this. At the age of 13, when you get a drinking ticket, um, are your parents involved? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And how did they take that? Yeah, they didn't take it well,
2: um, but... My household, you didn't you didn't really show your feelings that much, so okay, it, it was more important that
0: we kept it as a family. So you so you, uh, well, like a lot of families do it. I was going to say LDS, but I think most families try keep to it in the family. Keep yeah. it in the family. Let's yeah. not talk much about Don't it. Don't advertise your dirty laundry. No. Right. And so at thirteen, you get a drinking ticket, and uh, what does that involve?
2: Uh, well, I lost my license before I ever got it, and uh, fine community service um and now
1: i didn't know you could lose your license oh yeah before you get it so
0: here's the crazy thing um and if right now if kids get a drinking ticket before they're 21 they can extend your license out from 16 to 18 or they can even so yeah there's a lot of even if you're not in a vehicle yep really yep oh wow i don't know the exact Law, but I know it can yeah. affect your driver's
1: license moving. So forward. that happened to you, Shane.
2: It did happen to me. Yes. So,
1: so how long before you were able to get a driver's
0: license?
2: I think I had it suspended for six months, so I was sixteen and a half.
0: But when you're living in a small town, uh, your driver's license is your key to freedom, right? Uh, and and you want to get out. Yeah. So I, I, this is I'm curious because I'm f- assuming that the community service. The fine and the pushing out your driver's license was meant to deter you from drinking again. Right. Did it?
2: No, it didn't. Um, I kept drinking at just uh, parties. Um, that continued on until my mom got fed up with it, and she thought that she would get me away from my friends
0: and send me to Colville to go to school. Because it was your friends. They yeah, were the it reason was their problem. Yeah, because yeah, not my angel right you know what exactly. i mean exactly these guys are corrupting him
1: so, so geography wise you got sent up the canyon right to colville where of course nobody drinks up there
2: right Right. <laughs> i mean i basically i think walked into school and asked where the stoners hung out and they said oh they're probably smoking in the park and I'm like, well, i'll be in the park <laughs> see
0: parking lot crew Insta stoners. Friends. what were you guys called again hard guys the hard guys yeah and so but i mean that's when we talked about it in the first segment that's I mean, your only requirement to fit in is you got to be your willingness to do whatever substance they're doing. Yeah, and, and,
1: just, and just hang out and not be critical. Yeah. You know?
0: And they will be like, yeah, they're come very, on in. Very inviting. Yeah. But yeah. if you're a jock and you walk into a high school from opposing high school and say, hey, look, I'm here to play, you're alienated. You uh, yeah. know what I mean? It's tough to get into with that group. Yeah. This group, all you have to do is be like non judgmental and maybe a willingness to party and you're yeah. in.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. But I'm curious. So. So, did you identify by? So, you were what, fifteen, sixteen at that age, right. something like that? Did you identify as a stoner? Like, was that why you sought them
2: out, or I, did you uh, just wore know it as a badge? You know, I uh, the heavy metal shirt, the long hair. Um, right. I was. That was me. That was your crew.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. And how did they receive you up in Colville? Great. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Tested like,
1: the theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. <laughs> And so, now you're at a new high school, um, and you've already found a crew to fit in with. Right. So, you're still drinking. Right. You're still partying. Yep. Um, are you um, just... So, is it marijuana now, too?
2: Um, you know what? Actually, I'm, a, I'm allergic to marijuana. I mean, I tried it. Um, what effect
1: does it have on you? I tried it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, he throws that in as
0: an app. I tried it a lot. Yeah. Turns out I really am allergic. We <laughs> really tested
1: that allergy theory. Yeah. But what does it do to you? Because I don't think a lot of people realize you can Some people are allergic.
2: Yeah, it just made me sick, and my uh, throat would like uh, feel like restricted. Yeah, um, it just wasn't pleasant. So I marijuana was not a big thing for me.
0: So alcohol became your DOC, right? Um, now you're in high school. Um, how are your grades? Is your home life good, or is it is it starting to affect everything?
2: Uh, my grades are, I mean, are terrible. Um, I'm not going to school much. Um, North Summit. Um, convinced me on how good of a school Morgan was, and kind of kindly asked me to leave. <laughs> so they returned you. I, yep, I went back to Morgan. So
1: you had to drive up the
0: canyon to like that's a thirty minute drive 30 to minute school drive. every day. Yeah, right. And right. they said, well, maybe you should go to the one closer to you. Right. And so now you're back at Morgan. I'm back at Morgan. Was
1: that just because of academics, or were he, were he, or was I was causing- in
0: trouble? Yeah. My grades were terrible. I wasn't going anyway. So. So, the yep. high school said, "Um, let's get you a new friend group. These guys seem to be corrupting you right exactly, <laughs> and so now you're back at Morgan. do you fall right back in with your old friends?
2: Yeah, yeah, they were you know there waiting for me, so it just continued on. how did your how did your
1: parents handle that having to come back? They had sent you up there, hoping it would change things, and it didn't. What was that like at home
2: um it was." Again, they didn't show their feelings a whole lot. You know, everything was kind of stuffed down. I mean, I got in trouble, but it, it, grounding here and there, and I was back at it.
0: Um, and I'm, with your parents having eight kids, I'm pretty sure uh, they were in high demand all over the place.
2: Right, right. So, I mean, I was really shy, and and kind of with that many kids, it's pretty easy to be lonely. Um, I was kind of a loner, shy kid, so... In, just under the fly under, under, the, under radar. the radar
0: yeah. let me ask you this um did your personality change when you were drinking because you kind of self-described yourself as a loner but when you were out with your buddies and drinking were you oh, more yeah. gregarious more out
2: oh yeah i mean it was it was a ticket to no anxiety no you know my shyness was gone i was outgoing um just r- ready to ready to party
1: I had a conversation not too long ago with somebody and this was, he, he, the very sincere guy who I think you'd relate to, he kind of describes himself the same way, younger in his twenties. And he asked me, it was really, it was, it was really sad. And he asked me, do you think that this, that uh, drinking would be good for me because it helps me feel better? And It sounds like a silly question when we're talking about it here, but to him it was very serious because he wanted to know, as me, the professional, would I recommend that he drinks before he does social things because that was when he felt the best. Isn't that a sad commentary on how, first of all, it should let a person, the, the, the listener who doesn't think anxiety is a big deal... you really need to do your homework because it is miserable to feel anxious and miserable to feel shy. And especially when you're growing up and trying to fit in and have friends. And so anything, including alcohol or marijuana, something that takes that edge off and makes you feel like you can come out of your shell is magical. And so I had to have a conversation with him that there are other ways to feel better. But honestly, that quick fix of taking a drink is very enticing when you're young and. And,
0: and that's the option that you have. I don't want to speak for Shane, but I mean, for me, that was the biggest thing is that I didn't know if I would be Casey, without the fun-loving it. guy without alcohol. Yeah, You know what I mean? I thought, you know, if you take this away... Who am I? Because this has always been a part of my identity and who I've been since I was 14. And no longer is this guy with me, the alcohol. I don't know who I am. And more importantly, I'm afraid to find out.
1: Well, and I think, and Shane, you can tell me what your experience is. But I think people start to expect, like, they enjoy you when you're outgoing. Like, you know, in in the friend group, if you've been drinking and they know you that way, then when you're not drinking, you sort of feel rejected because they're like, oh, well, he's not that much fun. Casey's not that much fun. And, you know, I grew up 10 years before you guys in Morgan, and it's a very small town still today. But even Casey, where you grew up in South Ogden, yeah. it, it was a, it's still kind of small, but it was very small back when you grew up. Yeah. And so everybody you get a reputation if you're not the fun loving outgoing person then you're nobody really wants to hang out with you
0: well listen to the other side of this coin you know people who know shane in his everyday life and all of a sudden run into him a party and go holy cow have you met shane because this guy is crazy he's fun he's laughing he's dancing he's picking up girls i don't know if you did that stuff tried yeah. the, girl, the girls picked him up <laughs> you, you, you know what i mean but yeah. i mean and so all of a sudden people are talking about that guy yeah and not And not, not the, the person that you are without alcohol. So I understand that it works until it doesn't work. And it, it, it's, that's where the trap is. But you know,
1: I'll go back to some of those comments on, on Facebook and where people become very judgmental and blaming of others who have an addiction. That's a person who's not relating to that experience of being released. And I'm going to use the word magically from your anxiety it is when you're young and you want to be popular and you want to have friends and make connections but you're too shy and you're anxious and now all of a sudden you have a drink and boof you feel like a different person the person you always wanted to be that is a that's a tough thing to turn down
0: yeah so you're now back at high school uh you graduate
2: no i don't i uh my mom pulled me out of high school when i was 17 and i went to work full-time
0: and how was that conversation? I mean, did you say, "Listen, th- everybody's just wasting their time"?
2: Right. Exactly. You know, the friends, the uh, bad grades. You might as well go to work. And um, you said, okay. "Okay." Yeah.
1: Was Hugh Davis your principal?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: He <laughs> He's a good guy. He, he was my he was my biology teacher, but he uh, he was kind of a tough tough guy. Did he tell you also that you should leave? Or
2: yeah. They, it was a consensus between the school yeah. and my parents
0: but. yeah and so now you go to work full time right which is kind of cool but kind of bad because now you've got a full time job and you're making full time money but you're what 17. were you doing what what kind of work i was uh, in a sheet metal shop
2: oh yeah wow. what was that like uh it was it was good you know i i Good workout, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so, uh, at this point, you're you're still drinking, I assume.
2: Yeah, now I have money though to drink, so I can drink as much as I want.
0: Are you still living at
2: home? I am. When do you decide to move out? So I actually, I what it was uh, when I was twenty, I moved out, um, and then got married right after. Now your lovely. Did you end up finishing? Yeah, I went to night school and, and uh, finished. Got your GED? No, I actually got my full diploma. Awesome. Went. Let me ask you this. Why? I uh, just, something I didn't finish. I, I just needed to see it through.
0: I love it. Yeah. And so where your lovely wife is sitting next to you, and she's going to correct you throughout this podcast right. to make sure you get it right. I'm sure you're, yeah. Um, sure. Where do you meet her? High school. Yeah, we were high school sweethearts. Now, you can just nod your head yes or no. Was he known as a bad boy in high school?
3: Yeah. He <laughs> a bad boy in high school.
0: And uh, you guys fell in love. Right. End up getting married at, what, 20? 20, yep. Uh, and um, at any point, does your wife think that your drinking is out of control, or was it at this point?
2: Well, it was. Uh, that first year was pretty rough. Um, so what we did is... After that first year, we uh, moved to Syracuse and just up and moved and didn't really uh, tell our friends
0: where we were. Were you trying to make a break from... We just
2: started over.
0: Control-Alt-Delete, restart. Yep. Yep. And that worked.
2: Well, yeah, it worked pretty well because we started having kids. We had three kids. Um, I was still drinking on the weekends. I'd come up with family
0: and... Drink, but it
2: it was not out of control.
0: It was a weekend way. warrior, right. which I think a lot of normal people do. Uh, they make the weekends are made for Michelob, and they, right. <laughs> you know they start drinking, and they can usually turn it off on you know Saturday night or Sunday, and uh, get back to the work week. Right, and you seem to be able to do that for how long?
2: I did it uh, for
0: three, four years at least, or no more than that, six years. Well, I, was, I had a chance to talk to your wife before we started the podcast, and uh, when this all came down, she didn't know you had a problem. So how do we get there? When do you start drinking through the day? How do you start? So I start traveling out of town a lot for work, and
2: there's not a lot to do other than work, drink, and go home. And so I started drinking a lot, and that started bleeding into my personal life um, to where I'm now have a couple beers during the week and it just keeps escalating it was kind of a slow process but um but it we got there you know
1: what the folks you were working with was that also part of their culture so everybody was kind of doing the same sorts of things
2: yeah when we'd go out of town it would be a big you know all the guys would get together and almost a party every night.
0: I'd meet at a local bar or the hotel right. bar and have a few cocktails and see what kind of where the night goes.
2: Right, exactly.
1: I've known a, quite a few people that have either had to change their work, the way they work or um kind of lock themselves in their hotel rooms because that's common I think Casey where when you travel for work, it uh you have a lot of downtime, a lot of hours that aren't filled with
0: anything. And but here's the crazy drinking. thing. We've right. had people on this podcast where you go to these hotel rooms and they've got alcohol already stocked in there. You know what I mean? Remember we had, uh, I can't remember his name, but he was like, I'm trying not to drink and I'm going to these hotels and right. they've got mini bars in there. Yeah, they're already, And so stocked. I'd have yeah. to call and tell them, Hey, take everything out take, the, take the mini bar out. Uh, yeah. But I mean, talk about temptation. Yeah. And
1: I, I think you, you know, you're unsupervised, you're bored. Uh, you know, you fill in your time. I could see how that would be problematic, especially if that's what everyone was doing.
0: And you say it's a kind of a, a slow burn uh, where, you know, you started on the weekends and now you're going out of town and you're having a couple beers or a couple nights of drinking during the week. Right. But to end up on this podcast, it's got to get out of control.
2: Right. So we, we, I'm, I'm, out of town so much she wants to be close to family so we moved back to morgan Mm. um so we do and it's familiar
0: um it really really escalates and i'm starting to hide it are you is it familiar and escalating because you're back around some of the people you did with it yeah previously right and they're like oh shane's back you know let's you know
2: yeah i mean now it's not a weekend visit up you know it's i'm there full time and you know you got thirsty thursday and taco tuesday
0: right monotonous so,
2: monday so it it's just and morgan has a couple bars in morgan couple yeah. maybe yeah and we have a big mountain and a big mountain <laughs> so <Sorry, laughs> are, you, are you more of an outdoor drinker yeah yeah we got the side by sides we'd go up riding around and, and drink
1: and for the people that that are city folk listening to this show that's a common that's cultural oh yeah you know like if you grew up uh you know in rural utah or rural america probably but definitely in utah we have these beautiful mountains and people have like you said side by sides and four wheelers and things and that's kind of the common thing is you make a bonfire and everybody brings drinks and and that's that's the activity for the weekend Right, on Wednesdays.
0: Uh, uh, or, or midweek, yeah. So now you're back home, familiar ground, uh, it starts to become a problem. Does it start bleeding over into your job? It does. I, I actually change careers. Um, with the new job,
2: I'm, I'm home all the time. Um, and I'm starting to have health problems. Um, my I have terrible stomach aches, and I find that if I drink stomachache goes away and and i'm starting to have a lot of anxiety and and panic attacks and if i drink more that stuff goes away um so
0: i continue drinking um At, at any point are you hiding your alcohol from your wife i mean have you had a conversation with her where she goes i think you need to slow down you say you're going to but you don't you just start lying right Because, I mean, that's what I did. Yeah. It sounded like you'd been there
1: before. Well, I mean, but
0: I I think a lot of addicts have that conversation.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, that might go for everybody that's ever been on the show.
0: Yeah, where somebody goes, hey, you have a problem. You're like, no, I don't. We're cool. And then in your mind goes, don't let them see what you're really doing because they're on to you. Right. Yeah. So
2: we had many arguments about it. Um, So I went underground with it. Um, I had a bottle in the freezer and a and a 30 pack in the fridge and it would stay there um because that's the I, one you could point didn't, to didn't want to touch
0: it yeah you, know? you point to that and say look i haven't drank any
2: but i have it hid everywhere i have it out in the trailer i've got it in the garage and uh so
1: that was the fake out yeah. looks like nobody's been master drinking. manipulator yeah. right. go
2: count them yep exactly um but i'm starting to uh Drink, you know, everywhere but work. And uh, that lasts for a while, you know. I, I, I keep it out of work, but then it kind of bleeds in, and I... Well, at lunch I'll have a beer, or, you know, because I'm, I'm starting to get shakes, um, and I, I find that if I have a beer in the morning, a, a couple beers at lunch... You can stay it away. I can... The shakes will... Go away long enough for me to get off work and I'll have a couple on the way home um, so but as time went on the shakes didn't stay off as long um, so I would have to uh, break time you know go sneak a beer and then I'm drinking so much beer that I drink myself sober I, can't now, s- I don't get that yeah I, I just can't stay drunk
0: enough. So I have to go to vodka. Now, do you remember the moment when you found out that information and all of a sudden, because I can tell you from experience, you go from beer and then you, you switch over to vodka. Mine was tequila. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you feel new again. You feel young again because you're like, oh, this is different. Because you're used to a beer buzz. You're used to just keeping everything at bay. And you know, you're not really getting drunk, but you're not getting sick. And so I used to, I remember I'd tell my mom, I was like, you think I'm having fun. I'm not. I'm just trying to get to a base level with the rest of you guys. Because if I don't, then I'm, it's just ugly. And so then I remember when I was like, well, if I have a couple shots of tequila, this feels different. And yep. and, and it was kind of exciting again. I always liked beer.
2: I mean, I didn't... For me, it was a little different. I didn't really love the vodka. It was just a way to get there. You know, I could start off with five, six shots and then go back to beer and get to where I wanted to be. Um, But eventually, it it ended up vodka all day. I, I might get a beer in here and there, but... To, to
0: stay drunk, it was just vodka. Now, listen to this. This is crazy. Because, I mean, it's like looking in a mirror. So now sometimes you're drinking beer just to show people that you're not always drinking vodka. <laughs> does, does that make sense? Because they don't ever see you drinking beer, but they notice something's off-kilt with you. Yeah. So they got to have a reason why. And you can't say, "Well, I've been pounding vodka all day." Right. Because then you know I've got a problem. Right. So now you've got to have a beer to hide the fact that you're pounding vodka. Mm-hmm. Was that kind of like that? Yeah. Yeah, and and then it uh, came to a
2: head to where I'm now in trouble for drinking. So I'm going to I'm not going to drink around to anybody.
1: Who who were you in trouble with? Your wife, obviously. My wife.
2: Hey. And and you know Family's noticing, um, works noticing.
1: What, what my, are they seeing
2: at work? Where, like, I,
1: I, now you're drinking all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? How's that affecting work?
2: Well, my boss is texting my my uh, wife saying, "Hey, you know what? Shane's not feeling well. He's, something's off." So, now what uh, kind
1: of work are you doing at this point?
2: This point, I'm doing like uh, estimating um, projects. Um, but are you
0: blaming it on your stomach or health
2: issues? Oh yeah. I am sick, you know, so I got to go home. Um, but he's, he's saying, he's trying not to rat me out from what he's told me afterwards, but he's telling my wife, Hey, uh, when Shane gets home, will you text me and make sure he makes it there? Um, He's not feeling well. So he's trying to walk
1: <laughs> this line between he doesn't want to totally rat you out but he's concerned he's enough concerned, that you're not yeah. okay that he he's even worried about you just making it home. Right. Uh so, and what's the quality of your work? Are you are you producing uh work that's worthwhile for the company or
2: I think I'm doing a great job. I don't know if I Am but I
1: mean you still got the job right <laughs> right okay.
0: so I, I you know and and for some people like and I can, you go into autopilot you know you've been doing your job for so long yeah now I guess even, that's you true you know towards the end like I you weren't getting the best of me by any means no. but I, it was it was well it, I don't know how you used to show up. Hungover, four
1: thirty in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, and do the show still?
0: Yeah, a lot of times. And if you go back and look at some of the old videos, I was just an autopilot. Yeah, I mean the bags underneath my eyes were huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wasn't quick. I was regurgitating old jokes and just it wasn't the best. Like right now, I feel like I'm the best I've ever been and having the most fun. Yeah. So when people come on this podcast, there's usually a rock bottom.
2: There is, um, and my health was it. Um, and I was going, I was, uh, drinking vodka so much and I wouldn't get drunk, wouldn't get drunk. And then I'd way overshoot and I'd be blackout drunk.
0: And so were you mean drunk? No, no. I, I just, I, uh, see now that's, that's what's interesting because yeah. you're no longer the fun gregarious person no. that you started drinking for because it allowed you to be that person you always wanted to be. And now it was anything to hide it. Crazy, right? Yeah,
2: but anyway, I my I'm home. My wife sees that I'm home, so she comes home. This is like at two in the afternoon. Uh, I wake up and I get mad at her for uh, not getting me up for work and letting me sleep all day. Well, I'd gone up and I went to work, Ooh. and I came home and passed out in bed. Um, and she says, "Well, we're going to the hospital. You know, there's something wrong with you." Uh, so we go to the hospital I, i'm you stop. did you know
3: no i didn't he i always thought it was his autoimmune illness that was causing all the stomach stuff and he was having weird things i actually was like does this guy does he have cancer parkinson's i'm just wanting him to go to all these doctors i didn't i thought i understood alcoholism but i didn't understand it at all and i didn't realize what was going on
1: and i think that's really typical um uh, you know, even the person who's drinking may not really understand their alcoholism, but certainly, uh, you know, spouses and friends, family, um, we're try, scratching our heads trying to figure out what's going on uh, when, in fact,
0: it is the alcohol. So you go to the doctors. Right. What'd they say?
2: Um, they ran all sorts of tests and everything, but then it came out that they checked my blood alcohol level and I was drunk blackout drunk and uh so everything kind of came to a head
0: did Uh, you have a like an epiphany or an aha you were like well jig is up or did you still try to fight it at that point
2: at that point because they wanted me to go to detox but they wouldn't take me to detox unless i admitted i had a problem and so i did not admit it and so they sent me home uh, I got home, and I was given an ultimatum to either move out or go get help. And so that's when I uh, looked into treatment centers and, and went to Action Recovery. Well, that, that sounds like a tough
1: conversation. Right. Like how, what was that like? You're not willing to tell the professionals that you have a problem, so you go home, and then your wife lays down, you know an ultimatum which i'm I'm sure was out of love and concern, but you know how, how did you receive that? I'm sure it wasn't uh, okay I'll make a phone call.
2: no, I mean that was all so blurry to me um i I mean I'm in full on detox uh, I'm sick as can be. she's yelling at me um and I, I think you know what, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go long enough to make her happy, and then we'll be back at it.
1: Casey, put put the mic over here because we're miking you up anyway. Um, I just, I, I, I'm fascinated by the dynamic because here are the two of you are, and and we've been chatting, you know, uh, this morning and and uh, getting along great. But to, you know, there must have been a time where you felt like you had to do that. What, what? Why do you feel like you had, why did you feel like you had to do that?
3: Well, I don't think you would have gotten help unless I was willing to do that. Um, The hospital was, he, he's really doesn't remember, but he was not going to go to detox. We were begging him to go to detox. And one thing that I think is kind of important to say on here is that we didn't realize at the time, but I didn't realize how dangerous it is to detox from alcohol at home. Right.
1: Well, it can be deadly.
3: Yeah. And he, we did, so he did detox at home. And after we went to action, the nurse there was like, oh, that was (laughs) not a good idea. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, I just felt like I, I had no idea. I just, I knew something was terribly wrong, but I just didn't realize what was going on. And once I did, it all came into picture, all of it. Like, all of a sudden, when I realized what was happening, it all made sense. And so I was like, he needs help. Because he's been such a good, upstanding guy our whole marriage. Done so many good things. I mean, yeah, he says he partied, but as an adult, he was a really stand-up person. A really good husband, a good father. And in the last couple of years, things had just gone crazy. And it just wasn't the same guy. So
1: so it was out of love.
3: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. Great. So you reluctantly agreed to go to a treatment center. I did. But you're not checking into one. Like you're not in the inpatient treatment.
2: No, I didn't want it to disrupt my work. Um, so I I went to an IOP.
0: And your whole plan was do it enough to set everybody back, and then I'm going to continue doing what I've been doing.
2: Right. That's what was going to happen. Is
0: that's that's pretty
1: good, solid addict logic right there.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I,
1: I mean, it's so interesting that that that's so pervasively the way addiction thinking works. I mean, what regardless of what your DOC is, I think. <laughs> most people's first go around with treatment is that exact thought
0: process. I mean, there, there are people who have made a career of going in and out of rehab just to appease the people in their family. Sure. You know, knowing that if I go do this, then I've got another 18 months of running and gunning, pissing people off. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. and before it comes to a head again, and I'll go again. And that's why I always say it, it It normally does not work if you don't want it to work, but we're about to be surprised here because it worked.
2: It did. Um, after, I, I didn't think it was possible not to drink. I I just, I didn't think it would be possible to stop. And I had come to terms with I was going to die drinking. Um, but after, I, after I got sober and gave it a few days, I could start to see a light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, this might be possible. So, uh i uh i went all in and i was going to be the best best uh recovering alcoholic. recovering alcoholic ever i was i was they was going to have to rewrite the books after you know i was done so i got confident probably overconfident. i like
1: that was well if you're no, going to be overconfident about something that's a good thing to be overconfident about perhaps that you wanted to be the best at recovery
0: Right. Was there something in your recovery, and we've had a lot of people on here from Action Recovery, I think they do a wonderful job up there, was there something that you did, or something that they did, that you went, it kind of makes sense, because, I mean, I remember... People have heard me say this before. I remember talking to my therapist and he goes, drinking's not your problem. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it is. That's why I'm in rehab. He goes, no, your problems are your problems. And we got to figure those out if we're going to get you any kind of help. Drinking's become a problem now, but originally drinking was your solution to many of your problems. Right. So did you have to do some work and figure out why you were doing what you were doing or?
2: No, well, we did a lot of work, but we didn't have to, it didn't take long to figure out that. You know, I, I went about, I pink cloud for about 60 days, and then I hit a
0: brick wall. For those who don't know, the pink cloud is uh, what you graduate uh, a, a treatment center with. It's, you know, it's like, I often say, it's like, remember when we were kids when we go see the Rocky movie? Yeah. And then after you walked out of the Rocky movie, you thought you could box anybody. You're, on, you're <laughs> on
1: a on a pink cloud. You're on cloud nine. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, I
0: can do anything. Yeah. And so when you do that from treatment, you walk out and you're like, yeah, life is better. Sex is better. Food is better. Everything's better because you're just on this high. But then eventually that high goes away and you're like, oh, man, I got some real problems I still got to deal right. with. Right. So I
2: had terrible anxiety, um, depression, and I have uh, what I know now is OCD. Um, And the clinical director there, a lady named uh, Mackenzie Rodarte, she noticed it and she told me, well, we ought to do some uh, one-on-one and see what's going on. Um, So I started seeing her and...
0: Therapy is pretty that, cool, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah. It took a while, but you know, starting to process that. I mean, I still have really bad anxiety, um, and and the and the OCD. But you know, with therapy and and medication, I I can live. You know, I can. Well, I work with
1: anxiety disorders every day, and one of the things I like to tell people is that. You know you're a person with anxiety or and, and whatever flavor of that they have you know it could be obsessive and compulsive. it could be just general worry uh it's kind of like you're tuned a little higher you know you're just a little bit more vigilant hyper vigilant than other folks, and that can be very very miserable. however, if you can work through and bring it back down a little bit and get it to a manageable place that's sort of a sweet spot because the most productive people in the world have more anxiety than the average folks and that anxiety can help a person be organized committed to things get things done get everything done before you go to bed or before you wake up now granted there's a tipping point where it goes from helpful to to miserable but uh it sounds like you've kind of through some therapy and medication helped yourself get back to managing it better. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a lot better than I was. So, um, I, I guess my reason for coming on here is, you know, we, we got to get rid of this stigma of therapy and, uh, and, and, medication, you know, that, that is useful. And, necessary because i thought i was going to quit drinking and i would just be it was everything was going to be good and it was a real wake-up call when i had these struggles and and i had to get over this stuff before i could actually enjoy my recovery
1: yeah and i think that's so common that uh You know, the like Casey was saying, that alcohol or drugs become sort of a solution to a mental health issue. And it's been going on so long for a person that they don't even realize that once that solution is gone, meaning they've gotten into recovery they don't have their alcohol or or their drugs every day now we're just left with our anxiety and that's a whole nother ball of wax that has to be addressed but i appreciate folks like yourself coming on the show and talking about eliminating the stigma of of mental health disorders and treatment uh i'm a psychologist and i work in that every day but it 's more powerful when a person who 's experiencing it is willing to open up and talk about that 's how we get rid of the stigma. guys like me i can 't get rid of the stigma i 'm working in it professionally, uh, but people who 've actually experienced it and said, "Hey, wait a second now you know uh, if if I had cancer or if if I had diabetes, people would recognize those as things that need treatment, and they wouldn 't you know judge me for it." But it's so interesting to me that, that a little kid growing up with anxiety and depression didn't do anything wrong, just inherited that predisposition. But because we can't see it, you know, because we don't put a cast on it, um, people start to judge it and think, oh, it's just in your head, or you know, why don't you just get over it? Why don't you try harder? I don't know anybody that tries harder to make it through their day than somebody with anxiety.
0: My favorite is, oh, you're depressed? Why don't you just be happy? <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. I know. What you mean? <laughs> oh, you're short? Why don't you just be taller? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just the dumbest. And that's what I, I love about your story, Shane, is honestly, is your story is probably more relatable to the to, to majority of our audience. Absolutely. You know, and I think there's so many people that are suffering in silence who don't even know about anxiety or what's going on with them. And the fact that you said, I got sober and I realized I still was stuck with the anxiety and the depression so I went above and beyond and got therapy and we talked about that and now I'm doing that now I'm looking at you Shane and and you're kind of this you're right this kind of shy reserved guy and I can't imagine what it took for you to reach out and want to be on this podcast but I'm so thankful you did because I think this is what the world needs to hear so what is life like for you now you just celebrated your two-year anniversary of sobriety
2: I did two years now and life's great you know um, I'm present um, with the kids with with my wife. I hope. Um, Let me ask her. She, she's nodding.
0: <laughs> What's Shane like today?
3: He's awesome. It's like having my old husband back. I, back, you know. I mean, I know he drank before, but he still was. but I mean, it's nice to have him present and here with us again, and the kids love it, and we're just we're happy i don't know what else to say
1: oh that's what we're happy what i mean what what more do you you want to hear right so what are your thoughts
0: about Shane and his story today, Dr. Matt? Uh,
1: well, first of all, I agree with you. I appreciate that you'd come on and and uh, share your story, especially because you've been a person with anxiety and you're shy. Um, but it's a powerful story, and Casey's absolutely right. Um, we've had some – every guest is appreciated on our show. Uh, and we. But we've had some guests uh, share stories about their lives that I don't even think – you could make up for a movie just the most outlandish things and those are interesting to hear about but they're not as relatable as your story there are so many people in our communities that are struggling with depression anxiety those sorts of things and they are don't know where to go they, they may not feel like they can go ask for help they might feel that they're going to be judged for it. And so it's easier to turn to something like alcohol. Uh, some of the other ones that in our community here in Utah that get a lot of uh, play are things like sugar, caffeine. Opioids. Uh, opioids have been a big problem. Marijuana. Uh, marijuana. uh but even everyday things that, uh, how many people are on their phones all the time as a way of trying to manage their anxiety? Porn, gambling. Porn is a big one. Um, and so I appreciate that you're bringing your story out to the public to let everybody know, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. And, and I want people to do the math for a second. You started drinking when you were 12. Right. How old of a guy are you now? I am 43. 43. So for almost 30 years, you had alcohol to some degree in your life right and then you
0: overcame it wow that's it's impressive amazing. i'm so glad you stopped by i've got one last important question for you when you were 17 in high school and you're rocking a heavy metal t-shirt what was the band
2: uh probably metallica or uh, uh acdc
0: yeah yeah you know, classic classics right the good stuff Yeah, ride the lightning, baby. Yeah, back in black. Thank you for stopping by and sharing your story. I don't think you realize how appreciative we are that you did that. And I think how many people you're going to help because you are willing to get out of your comfort zone and share your story. And I want to say one more thing. I love people from Morgan.
1: Not just because I'm from Morgan, but I love people from Morgan. We've had some great guests on the show from Morgan, and I appreciate you guys making the drive.
2: thank you
0: thanks again for stopping by and listening to another episode of Project Recovery and in case you forgot Project Recovery is what? it's
1: a KSL podcast see money back in black (laughs) I hit the sack (laughs) no that's terrible